Everybody, welcome back to the Snap No Tap podcast. Uh, the beginning of April, uh, they say spring is here, but why is there fresh snow on the ground here? That stinks. How you doing out there, Joe Cardinal? Well, a little bit better than you. We don't have snow. We had flurries, uh, like flurries and, and rain. To me, it's like the worst weather where you get that mix of like cold rain and snow. It's just you know, it's just miserable, overcast. So. Yeah, spring can't uh, come quick enough for me, man. I, I'm I'm done with it. Well, for the with the exception of I think one or two um, episodes, you know, we've been having relatively mild winters. Uh, you know, generally, I, I forgot how much snow. I think we got like one. We got hit with one storm this year. I think it was like, I think I got eight inches over here. But um, I get more than most because of that damn lake. It doesn't block anything, so the ice and the snow. Like it just keeps blowing over here, but um, yeah, I, I'm just looking forward to to the warmer weather. Oh, absolutely! I just, you know, I can't wait for the day where I'm outside and I'm not in some type of uh, pain <laughs> or discomfort. Yeah, I've been uh, with this battling this nasal, this sinus uh, infection. I think is what I have, uh, and. Yeah, I just don't like it. I'm I'm feeling like it. I had a, maybe another little breakthrough. So let's see if if this lasts. You know, or if I catch another cold. <laughs> it's, this has been the worst this year. Well, it seems like when you know everybody, like at least in the city here and in, in the suburbs, when all the mask mandates and everybody started to kind of go back to closer to normal behavior, like everybody I was knowing was starting to get colds. So, Sasha and I went through. We both had bad colds for a while, missed some work. So, yeah, it's uh, kind of that rough transition back into the, the normal ways. But, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But otherwise, I've been able to get a couple workouts in. Uh, yeah, keep moving forward on stuff. So what's on your mind these days, Tony? Well, this is going to be a big – tomorrow's going to be a huge day because the traveling nurse is coming, but more importantly, the social worker is coming. Um this past week, I've had the physical therapist a couple times, occupational therapist, or the physical therapist once, the occupational therapist twice, visiting nurse once um, this past week. But they'll be here tomorrow, the, the social workers, about getting long-term care because it's no longer feasible. Uh, it's a shame that these people didn't come to my house two years ago because, you know, like they see that I have – the basement steps that can't be blocked off that she could easily fall down because you can't stop her. Um, she's ambulatory. So even the physical therapist said, you know, she can get around. Uh, she really doesn't need the physical therapy. It's just, her brain is just gone. So she strolls. She, um, 
um, roams in and takes off and it's going to be bad now with the if with the warm once the warm weather starts to happen that one day that we had 60 degree weather here about three four weeks ago whatever it was i don't remember um she took off you know even though i'm in the house i i can't monitor her every split second and she seems to be cunning enough to do it when i'm either in the bathroom or i'm in the basement doing work you know getting stuff around here that has to get done so tomorrow's a big day um Talking to the social worker will be a big, big thing. I have a lot to explain to her. And uh, then we, we move forward. Um, And in the interim, I'm going to have to talk to some guys about, you know, seeing if there's a chance for me to coach or do seminars, at least seminars, you know, a couple seminars a month. Um, It will not be feasible for me to be driving back and forth to Chicago once my mom is in the facility because of the gas, you know, it would be, I would, I would actually lose money on the gig. So um, yeah, we'll just, things are going to get really rough now. So uh, what are you going to do? You know? Yeah. Who knows? I mean, hopefully, yeah, the, the social workers will figure out, we'll, we'll get, you know, it's hard I, to just get an impression. I would think like in just in one visit, you know, and really get a vibe for it, but maybe the, if they've done it enough, they can really tell quickly, they can size up the scene and understand what's going on. Oh, it's not about that. She's already been, no, the, the determinations have already been made by the, the hospital and the doctors. That's not it. It's just a question of finding a facility and so on. And, and, you know, they're like, well, we need to try to find a facility around here. I said, not really, because I, I probably won't be staying here. You know, um, all of that's what the, pro- that's the problem. Okay. The, uh, uh, because my life has been completely put on hold for the last four years, five years, really, since my, I lost the gym four and a half years ago, um, almost five years in July. Um, and in dealing with her. So that's, that's something I'm not sure that the social worker has an answer for but she needs to at least be aware of that. So this is a visit for me. Mm. It's not so much about my mother. This is to sit there and talk to me finally after all these years, hopefully. And I hope this isn't a bust out tomorrow. I mean, I I hope I get the answers that I need. Um, Otherwise, you know, they're, they're telling me that I need to go on my own and check these nursing homes out. Well, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't leave her here and, and, and go all over creation, checking these places out. So um, they just keep, it's like talking to a, it's like talking to a wall. Sometimes they just don't get it because they're not used to having a situation like mine. There's always somebody, there's always some family member to help out. Well, not in my case. So that's, that's, that's a difficult part. And that's the frustrating part. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Is your mom able to travel much? Would she be able to go to check those places out with you at all? No. Why do? Why would you want that? No. She doesn't even know what's going on. Okay. She doesn't mm-hmm. even know who I am. And you can't leave her for a minute, you know. Um, and there's still protocols in place with the masks and this. I took her to the doctor one day. This is not the, I took her Friday, but this was one other time. And my phone goes off. She's in a waiting room. She's in the lobby with me. My phone goes off. So I step outside to answer the phone because I don't want to talk in front of everybody. And here she comes walking right out the door starts. Doesn't even come up to me, just hangs a right and starts taking off. All of a sudden the nurse comes running out after her. So no, 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 no. 
This is not simple, Joe. This is not simple. This is absolutely not a simple thing. I need help and I'm not getting the help. And I'm aggravated after all these years of no help. And, you know, I'm still waiting for that respite care that I was supposed to get last November. How come I never got that? I've still never gotten that. So, no, nothing, nothing seems to ever go as planned. So I'm, I'm hoping tomorrow will be okay, but I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, that's tough. Eventually, my grandfather, towards the end, he'd gotten out of the house a couple of times. My uncle was trying to watch him, and he, he stayed with my uncle for a while. But again, it just even with more family members, you just, you know, we were, there'd just be gaps in coverage. You just miss something, you know, and it had to be where he had to kind of eventually go to a home because you need that kind of professional level around the clock watching and care. You know, you need a, a, a place that's set up for people who, so they can't get out, you know? Yeah. It's uh, called a memory care unit. So the doors are locked on the floors and all of that. That's exactly what, what she needs. So now the, the issue isn't just getting her in. It's, it's, are there vacancies? And when is a bed going to open up? And many times it's like, okay, you, you know, today, get her in now, mm-hmm. you know, and you, you can't prepare for that. Like right now, um, you know, there's things that need to be done. Uh, um, I don't know what the term is, you know, like uh, business-wise or, you know, whatever. Uh, she's got bills that, you know, I would have to get, get her off of those bills and, and, and um, because the nursing home will take everything except 30 bucks a month. So all of her other stuff that she's still paying on, I'm going to have to absorb that, okay? So I'd have to contact those debtors, I guess you would call it, and, um, and deal with that. Uh, and I need a heads up, you know, anybody would need a head up, heads up. You can't just up and do that. Like boom today. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. And as I said, I, it would be much comforting to me if I had somebody here physically here to, to walk me through this or help me or actually do it for me. Like, well, I can make some of those calls for you, Tony, you know, that kind of shit. Uh, but I just don't, I just, honestly, I don't have, I don't have the help. So, um, We'll see what happens. Nothing I can do. Yeah, hopefully this is not the first rodeo. I know your situation is pretty unique, but if they they should be at least to guide you in the right direction, I would think, and kind of guide. That ideally, they they're sending someone who can guide you through this process. You know that this is, um, yeah, exactly. Kind of divesting someone of of their their assets and making that financial transition. Well, the, the caseworker is only going to be here one time. So it's tomorrow and tomorrow only. This is not a continuing education program. This is not the day one of many days. It's a one and done thing. Um, mm. Yeah, it's it's pathetic how how it's set up. I'm not happy about it. I will never be happy about any of this. Uh, it, it, it was all it was all avoidable because I had been telling the various agencies for years what's happening here. And I said, we, I need help. The shit's going to get bad. It's going to get really, really bad. And, uh, you know, they just falls on deaf ears. Like I said, I, I, I'm still waiting since November for that respite care that I never got. So, you know, I, I'm not expecting anything tomorrow to be honest. Um, but I do know that the doctor at least has given her a, uh, I don't know what the medical term is. It don't matter. Like a prescription to, to, you know, go into long-term care. So uh, all I would have to do is call up, you know, 
the long-term care facility and say, look, she's got their, you know, the talk to her doctor, her doctor okays it. So when can we get her in? That kind of deal. Mm. Mm. Well, it is. It Unfortunately, it just highlights how, you know, social services and, and, and programs like that have been underfunded for so long. And, and a lot of people are hurt falling through the cracks like that. You know, they just don't have the resources to help people that they need. You know, this is just one example of it. Um, but yeah, that's, it's tragic. I'm sorry you're having to go through this, man. This is terrible. Thanks, but it, it ruins, it changes your personality. I mean, everybody knows that. I mean, that's a well-known thing that care caregivers get the anxiety and get the stress and all of that. And, uh, you know, but ordinarily they have breaks. Um, matter of fact, I was talking to a caretaker and, and, and the caretaker was like, no matter how bad it gets on the job, I get to go home. I'm like, yeah, you get to sleep in peace. I says, that's just the opposite with me. If I have somebody here watching my mother for four hours and I can get out and go shopping or do whatever, I still have to come home to this, to this chaos. And I can't sleep because it's all hours with me, with, with her. So, um, yeah, it's just a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough situation. It's, it's just very difficult. So, you know, and it's worse now. And, and uh, so we just, this was inevitable. Okay. So here we go. Yeah. And kind of like what you're talking about, they they mentioned that in the EMS that a lot of people who work in uh, like, you know, healthcare and things of that matter, they get um, compassion fatigue, you know, and they become calloused, you know, and um, it does change them. You know, when you've seen enough people go through things, um, and this is people who, like you said, get to go home at the end of the day, but when it's and, your day. And get a paycheck. Right. Right. I'm doing all this for free. It, it costs me money to do this. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I mean, to your, I guess to your point that it changes people, that their outlook, you know, you just hear about that. Like, you know, I have friends who are police officers and they, you can sense that they become a little bit more cynical, you know, with interacting with people like that day in and day out. Um that so yeah you, you get affected by it there's no doubt yeah no it's just it's human nature like that uh you know doctors get callous to it firemen yeah yeah and any healthcare worker or just other people uh like growing up in a in a crime ridden area you get you get um cal- you get accustomed to the crime you, you nothing shocks you anymore because you you you've either heard the stories firsthand or you've witnessed it um, or, you know, it happened to somebody. Um, so you become very hardened. And that's why, like, when we talk about self-defense techniques, uh, either on the show here or when I instruct either video or live, uh, I take it really serious. And I get angry at these sports guys, some of them, that have no conception of reality-based self-defense. And they teach bullcrap. They teach shit that's going to get somebody worse hurt, you know, because you're going to give them that false sense of uh, – security uh, that oh i can handle it because i watch this youtube video or i i train with you know joe schmo um you know no joe schmo has no no experience you know they're they're guessing that this stuff's going to work it's theoretical and you don't you don't need theoretical stuff in a street fight you need proven techniques and tactics um so that's why i have a, an attitude towards that uh towards people like that um Sportsmen, no, because that's more lighthearted. But yeah, this, this, I just hope that this is all going to end soon. Um, 
And it'll be better off for my mother to be in a place like that because she'll be around, you know, more people and people her age and, you know, this and that. It'll be more stimulating. And if it's a memory care unit, I'm assuming that they're going to have like, um, like I know when I was in the rehab hospital, when I, after I had my aneurysm back in the 90s, early 90s, they, we didn't have televisions in our room. Okay. They were forbidden. Um, part of it was because they forced you to get into the wheelchair and, or, or what, whatever your, for me, it was a wheelchair and um, go to a community room. All right. So there was a community center, like one room with a television. And certain nights of the week, they had movies. The, the staff would play movies. And uh, so I'm assuming that these places would have something similar to that. And they might even have cafeteria. Now, we didn't have a cafeteria. We ate in our bedroom. I did have a roommate. But um, so I would, I would guess that they may have this. So um, after my meeting tomorrow is when I'll at least start doing virtual tours. I'll at least start going through the list and, and start looking online. I didn't even want to bother doing any of it until I, until I actually talked to the social worker. So I'm not you know, wasting any time here because maybe this social worker will say, well, I know exactly where to put her. You know, we'll see. Yeah, well, I hope that all goes well, man. Hey, I was going to ask you about, so how long, when you had your aneurysm, do you remember how, how long you were hospitalized for? I, 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 that's, you know, it's funny. I remember exactly. Um, I actually was in two hospitals. I was first in the hospital hospital, and I was there for about a month and a half. And then they transferred me to Schwab Rehab on the south side, and I was there for approximately a month and a half. Okay. So the aneurysm happened June 1st. That's when I was rushed into the hospital. And if my memory serves me right, I got out of the hospital, the rehab hospital, um, August 22nd. So basically three months. So a month and a half, about a month and a half, uh, I think, in the first hospital and a month and a half in the second hospital. So so three months basically total. And then, of course, follow-ups, you know, uh, it was tough. When you came out, you were still needing a wheelchair, right? Oh, I couldn't came. walk. I, still, I was still all paralyzed and shit. But what they did, they had a room set up that was like an apartment um, with a stove and all of that, you know, refrigerator. And the, you, so basically what would happen is this. In the morning, you would get your physical therapy. They, 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 they tell you what time you have to be there. You get downstairs to the physical therapy. Then you have your occupational therapy. Then you have your psychological, you know, the neuro shrink that helps people. Like they had actually put me on a stroke floor because my symptoms were similar to someone who had a stroke. Uh, my speech wasn't super affected, uh, but even to this day, like my right eye droops, my right side is smaller. Um, I have weak, my left side was, you know, stronger than my right. Um, but yeah, it was a very uh, difficult seen to you know i wasn't the youngest guy in there either there was actually a girl that was on um in my therapy class and the therapy uh thing um she was like 16 or 17 she got shot in the head mm. that's tragic i was what 29 uh at 28 then i had my 29th birthday in the hospital and then um so yeah i was relatively young but um not by no means was I the youngest one there, 
but my roommate was older. He was like 60 something, early sixties, Mr. Brownfield. He was, um, uh, stroke, you know, stroke victim. Um, we actually had some funny times because we were so helpless. It was kind of ridiculous. Uh, we had to help each other out, (laughs) you know, getting each other out of the bed and getting each other into the bed. And yeah, yeah, I couldn't walk. And, um, they had me, I was able to stand on, on crutches, um, you know, the, the kind of clip on your, they call them Canadian crutches, they clip on your forearms, um, but I couldn't go far with those. So, like, um, if I had to go, like, really far with anything, I, I had a uh, um, wheelchair. I played a basketball game with the wheelchair bulls. Uh, I, I played uh, hockey, you know, like on a sled. They, they strap you to a sled because you can't stand. Uh, so we had field trips, believe it or not. We, um, they had somebody that was called a recreational therapist, younger girl, real nice. And one of her gigs was to take you out, all right, like wherever you wanted to go, within reason, obviously. But, like, what do you like to do? What, what you know? And I'm like, well, I can't do any of the things that I like to do. I, I'm not even – I can't even do it, you know, like shoe pool or anything that I was – you know, Marshall, I couldn't do anything. Um, so, you know, but we did go out. It was kind of nice. And, uh, you know, and it make, makes you there because they were trying to get you ready for the transition back to, you know, a real, a real existence. Um, it was, it was, it was tough. You know, I couldn't drive a car, you know, um, cause I would have had to get all those doodads added on. Mm-hmm. and you know they don't that's a, you know you how are you going to get that done you know and i'm like no I, i'm going to learn to walk again i'm going to get my facilities back again um and yeah so i had a medical restriction for driving for many months and then once that was lifted you know i figured i'm going to figure a way out i'm going to figure out how to drive again and i i i had a physical therapist who wasn't really my therapist she was just doing this on her own and she would come to my house, my apartment, and take me for car rides. And when I got a little stronger, she started to let me try to drive. She was showing me. She did it. You know, I wouldn't. She helped me a lot. Then, of course, when I eventually met Kevin, um, see, they had a thing at that at that hospital called a para gym. Basically, what a paragym was, it's like a universal machine, but you roll in there with your wheelchair, you strap yourself the wheelchair down, and you can do certain exercises, flies, curls, you know, cable, cable stuff. Um, and what I found out was, after I got out of the hospital, um, I wanted to continue my, work, my exercise program. Well, I, most gyms wouldn't allow me in. They refused me. These health clubs. Finally, there was one that allowed me in. But I found out it it doesn't matter because I would try to do with the crutches and get over to the equipment. But then what? You know, I I, I couldn't grab dumbbells. I couldn't, you know, get weight onto the, you know, trying to learn how to bench because, you know, my one arm wasn't working. So I'm in a, a, I just was having troubles. I had no help. And everybody looked at you like you were a freak. You know, like, I mean, a couple of people would talk to me. But nobody wanted to come close to me. It was like I was a leper or something, right? Um, So I had to give up. And the day I was able to drive again, the day I was able to get my license 
renewed. Um, and I, I've, I've, again, I never forgot this day. It was March 13th, 1994. Um, I went out and I went to this restaurant, bar restaurant that I'd never, I think I had been there once many years before with, with my accordion teacher, classy joint. People were like, man, you're a young guy. What, what happened to you? What's, why are you all messed up? You know? And I kind of explained the story and there's like, they're like, well, there's a guy that comes in here every day with his wife, Kevin. He's a big, strong guy. He he lifts weights. Why don't you talk to him? And I'm like, well, you sure he's going to be here? Because I'm getting tired. I want to go home. No, he'll be here. And sure as shit that Kevin showed up, I never knew him. I started talking to him. He's like, well, I own a tool and die shop. I have a weight bench and, you know, lap machine, all that. Here's my address. This was a Sunday. He's like, show up tomorrow. I'm like, well, I'll be there <laughs> for sure. And the, what I didn't realize is when I pulled in and I backed in, you remember that place? There was mm-hmm. that ramp, that yeah, ramp yeah. to go up to the tool and die. I couldn't get up that ramp. I couldn't walk up that thing. And um, I'm like, well, shit. What am I going to do? And then one of his guys, one of his workers, just not, they didn't even know I was out there. They just lifted up that garage door for whatever reason. They saw me and I'm like, Hey, I'm here to see Kevin, man. Um, I need some help up this ramp. So they actually helped me up the ramp. And then Kevin was shocked. He's like, man, I never thought you'd show up. I said, I'm here. Let's lift. You know. And because of him, I, I recovered. That's why I say, oh, my life to the guy. Because he would put the weights on for me. He would spot the bar, the bench, you know, so I could do my negatives. And because when, you know, I had movement in my, my right arm. By that time, I was getting some movement back, but no strength. You know, so we could do the negatives and he spotted me and, you know, all of that until gradually the strength started to come back. Uh, and then, you know, I helped him with his bench because I knew how to lift. I knew all the tricks of the trade. I was a strong enough guy, but, um, you know, so I helped him and he helped me, <laughs> you know, um, I miss that guy. My life would be so much better if he was still here, you know, because I'd have that help. I'd have that outlet for sure. Yeah. But that's a long, you know, that's a long journey. And um, that's why I tell people who, who may not be in the greatest of health. Um, you, you, you can still do it. You can still train with me. You can still learn these techniques. I can get you better. I can get you stronger. Remember most people aren't Arnold Schwarzenegger in their prime. Okay. They're, they're more like, I don't know, Archie Bunker or something. They're, most people are never really in shape unless you were a high school athlete or college athlete. So for many folks, it's not a matter of getting, getting back into shape. It's a question of getting into the best shape of your life. And for some people that could be 40, 50 years old, you could literally, or even older, you could get in the best shape of your life because you never were in great shape ever before. Um, and regardless, you can still recover and, and make gains. There's nothing to stop you from making physical and psychological gains and also knowledge you'll 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 learn a lot of knowledge so it's never too late it really isn't i mean one of the tricks has got to be patience though i mean it doesn't happen overnight especially when you're coming from a huge deficit like obviously it must have been a long time for you to build back up to any kind of semblance of even just average strength working working three three and a half years to bench 400 from when you met him 
when you started lifting. Yeah. When I, okay. Yeah. Because I met him in March of 94, I benched 300 or 400 in 1997 coming from a negative deficit. Okay. No steroids, no, any kind of drug, nothing except protein power and, um, and vitamins. So it took me three and a half years to bench 400 drug free. And then it took several years after that to get up to the 480 that I benched. So, I mean, going drug free is you really need patience. And that's the only way to do it because the strength is always there. It's real. It's natural. And, and even if when you quit lifting, you're going to lose some of your strength, but you'll have that muscle memory. You'll get it back and you won't need supplements, you know, like illegal, you know, uh, growth hormone or uh, testosterone or anything to, to help you. So that's my thing. I did everything natural, especially when you had aneurysms and all that other crap or whatever your case may be with, with some, you don't want to be putting shit in your system. That's going to make you die again, you know, or, right. Or have a, another major physical catastrophe, do it natural, but you're right. Patience. Everything takes patience. Learning how to fight takes patience. I mean, it shouldn't take, 20 years but you know you can't have it overnight you can't you can't watch somebody's video i don't care who the instructor is and then go out and start winning championships don't work that way you got to train 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 because everybody else is doing it too yeah that's one of the frustrating things i've seen you know and, and some of this is just infection but it's just kind of the the idea that like especially when you're starting back up that you have to kill yourself that you have to fatigue yourself or, you know, like you've got to, you know, go for the burn right away. And it's like, especially if you haven't trained in a while, you got to respect your body and, you know, cause you can overdo it. Uh, you know, eventually you'll get to the point where you can really stress test your system and start to build it on, but not right out of the gate, you know? And, and yeah, I think so often, you know, I keep at my age, I keep relearning, you know, cause I'll go through phases where I'll have access to weights or I won't. And, yeah, I used to have a pattern where I'd build up my deadlift, you know, I'd move so many pounds, you know, per week up. Um, and I'm learning that I, my body can't do that same trajectory anymore, you know, that I'd start to have back spasm and things so that, um, you know, it's, it's constantly listening to your body. And, 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 and you know, I, one of the weightlifting buddies I have at work, he says, you know, because he's older than me, he's like 10 years older. But he, he always uses the phrase, you know, sometimes he'll, he says he'll write checks that his body can't cash, you know, and he yeah. has to be careful about that um, as he's gotten older. And so it's almost constantly relearning what your body, uh, how your body uh, grows back on it. So I was going to ask you, so you knew about weightlifting, but you hadn't really, had you heavy lifted prior to your aneurysm? I lifted, but not, not heavy weights, you know, because I was fast. I wanted to keep my speed up and I had more of a spelt you know, in shape, cut, like real cut, um, lean, light heavyweight, basically, you know, um, probably walked around like 185, uh, 190, maybe, uh, it depends. Uh, I graduated high school, I was 178. But when I got out of the hospital, I was down to like 160, something like that. I mean, I was emaciated. I was real, real thin. Um, so I, I really had to build back. But yeah, I mean, I knew everything how to how to gain strength. But here's the thing: I'll confide in everybody. I was at home, and this is after I got released from the hospital, and I had a uh, 
what she wasn't even a hundred pounds, a care a caregiver, right? From the Philippines. And she, 90-some pound girl, had to lift me from my bed to the walker because I still wasn't in any good shape. And then get me to the shower and all of this shit. And I said, you know, I went from being, I mean, athletic, fast, strong enough, tough enough to this, to having to rely on some little girl that's almost like, like half my weight. So I said, no, that's never going to happen again. Uh, and the one thing that the doctors told me that because of my fitness, because I was so in shape, it, it helped me. So I said to myself, well, guess what? I'm going to go overkill. I'm going to become so strong that if something shit like this would happen to me again, you know, I'll, and, and I get set back somewhat, I'll still have strength. Okay. I won't be so damn debilitated and weak. That was my motivating factor. This, this little Filipina that came to my house a few times, uh, several times, I don't remember how many times, a lot. And uh, I said, no, this, I can't have this. Okay. So, uh, so then I just, you know, I just said, no, I'm going to go for weight. I'm going to, or I'm going to go for strength. Uh, Like as much strength as I can get. And once I got physical, once I was able to, you know, start standing on my own. Oh, it was a big thing that matter of fact, let me backtrack. So Kevin and all of his friends. So we went somewhere. I forgot where it was. And I think we went horseback riding or some shit, a group of us, like 12. <laughs> I can't picture you on a horse. Yeah. <laughs> with a yeah I, got yelled, I got yelled at too at the place. But anyway, um, <laughs> I went, I said, I'm not taking, I'm not even going to take my crutches. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to, I'm going to go for it. And I remember one lady, Kevin's was, was at the time it was his wife's best friend. She always told me, um, I can't wait. I'm so curious on how you walk. I'd really like to know how you walk. Cause never, never, nobody ever saw me walk. I mean, I was either in a wheelchair, I had crutches. Um, so I said, well, I don't, um, uh, Laura was her name. I said, Laura, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to still walk like I used to walk. Mm-hmm. And of course I didn't. I had to drag my right leg, you know, I, it would drag, you know, um, I couldn't like gate it, you know, like, a, like that. It was, it was dragging, but I did, I took it. We went to that horseback thing. I did not bring my crutches. I just, just dragged my leg and that's, you know, that's, and then eventually I dragged it less and less and less and less until, until I kind of walked where if you didn't know me, yeah, you wouldn't know that, you know, that I had any kind of malady, but I probably don't walk like I used to when I was before the aneurysm. And I don't run, of course, as fast as I used to. But part of that also is age. And I, I, I got more heavily muscled, but yeah, there's so much to it that you just don't think, you know, and, and of course my memory suffered more than anything, you know, my, my personality kind of changed and, um, I, I uh, did. I still to this day do a lot of the memory tricks that they they taught me there, uh, 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 like how to do everything the same every day. <clears throat> put your keys in the same place. Put your, you know, hang your coat in the same spot. Whatever that kind of jazz. So you get into that routine, um, and that's been very difficult with her because she takes things and moves things and loses things and uh, and, and 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 most of the stuff is my stuff. So then I don't know where anything's at, you know, um, but it's tough. 
for anybody that goes through it, it's really a hard thing. I did it. You guys can do it. And then I had those relapses with the brain concussion shit in, in 02 and 03 that uh, 2002, 2003, that was, you know, residuals from this. And uh, I'm having it again, another 20 years later. This is just going to continue. But I, I, you know, I think I'm worse now mentally than I was back then. My memories and other things along with it, I'm not going to get into all the details, are far worse now than back then. But uh, I, I hope that once my situation here stabilizes that, I can start focusing on, on my health again um, and, and take care of that because I have to take care of her first. Were those uh, relapses, were they triggered by an incident or they were just kind of something that like, like training or something or, uh, or it just happened? It was kind of like an aftershock. Yeah. No, they told me that you're going to have this because, you know, this is, CTE and all that. That's what I have. You know, I have a lot of brain issues. You know, I got hit in the head a lot of times and, and other things, you know, uh, so, you know, getting dropped and you know, all that. Um, so it, it was just a matter of, it, it was going to happen. But back in 2002, 2003, um, it was really bad. I was hospitalized everywhere in Chicago, man. I, bad things happen and uh, like seizures and, you know, it was, it was a horrible, um, horrible thing. And I, I get those episodes now and then uh, not so much seizures, but this zoning out, you'd have to see it. You don't want to really see it because it's scary to people. There's a kind of seizure where you're just kind of blank out. It's not like, it's not like people think where you're convulsing. It's literally oh, no, like, I, I was convulsing, but I mean, there's, I mean, you had those too, but I think yeah. there's a kind, and maybe this is not what you have, but I've, I, I had mean, transient ischemic attacks, TIAs. Mm. Okay. Um, so I, 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 so for example, I could be sitting here and then I'll, and I normally know when it's coming, but then I'll be like, and I'll be quiet and I'll be zoned and I'll be looking and I won't know anything. I won't know where I'm at, who I'm with um, or anything. You know, uh, sometimes I'll think back like I'm in high school. Uh, oh, and that's another thing. This is interesting. This is going back to now when I when I was first admitted in ninety in ninety three. Uh, the the neuropsych said when people have like what's called TBIs, traumatic brain injuries, um, many times sometimes it'll be so severe they'll revert back to infantile, okay, or they'll revert back to childhood, right? Eight nine years old. That's how they think their thought process. Sometimes, for me. I reverted back to like when I was 17, like when I was a junior and senior in high school. That's a good time to go back to. Well, you know, (laughs) it just, it's not a good or bad thing. It's just, that's what seemed to happen with me. Um, And it's not cool because you actually start thinking you're still 17 or 18. So therefore, you know, when you're out and about, you, for example, let's say I was 30. I see a girl, I'm thinking she's my age. Well, she's not, she's out high school, but you, you can't, sometimes you have to stop and, you know, gather your wits about you because you don't know. Um, but yeah, and so that, and sometimes you, you're fine, you know, so it was kind of weird. And another thing he used to say, he said something like, dreams, if you have a traumatic, let's say you lose your, your limb, you get your arm amputated in real life, right? Mm-hmm. You'll normally dream for about seven years that you're still 
you, you still have your limbs. Okay. It takes a long time for your subconscious to, um, you know, get over the fact that you don't have that limb. Uh, or in my case, you know, in my dreams, I'm able-bodied, I'm, I'm running, jumping, mm-hmm. beating people up. It takes a long <laughs> time to, you know, to, for you to start dreaming, you know, that, you know, your current condition. So it, those are interesting tidbits. Um, and one of the things I found out is, and, 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 and this is to this day, actually, so this is many years, every time I dream about my house, like I'm living somewhere, in my dream, I still dream of Cleveland. I never dream of here where I live now or even anywhere in Chicago. I always dream when I have any dreams that are relating to me being at a house, either by myself or with somebody, it's Cleveland. I was going to ask you that about, well, I want to get back to dreams, but I was going to also ask you, like when you said with your brain, you actually don't realize your age. Did you sometimes when you were awake, think you were in Cleveland or did you know where you were at at least? No, not always. No, I sometimes thought, Matter of fact, I was told by people that, you know, I don't remember, you know, I was calling out for my, my high school English teacher because she was the most important person uh, out of all my school teachers. She was my favorite school teacher, and she was the one I, I could most personally relate to back mm. then. I couldn't relate to Rodvon personally, um, but to my teacher, I could. Um, so, yeah, sometimes I would be like that or I'd get lost. Uh, you know, I'd be driving around in my car, fine, and then I'm like, man, how do I get to St. Clair Avenue? Well, I'm in Chicago. I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, 79th and St. Clair. <laughs> you get mixed up. And, you know, thankfully, many times I'll, I'll come out of it, you know, quickly. Um, but those are part of the problems. You know, that's why I don't, that's another reason why I didn't like to travel and do like seminars unless I knew the guy on the other end that was bringing me out for the seminar because a new place gets me confused. Okay, I don't know where I'm at. You start to panic. You start to like not think clearly, um, and you know it makes it for a very uncomfortable uh, uh, episode. You know, it's just not not something that's cool. It's a bitch when you have these kind of things. You know, uh, that's why I can relate to all the football players. And of course, I knew about this from boxing and wrestling, but the football players. Matter of fact, my one doctor that finally diagnosed me in 2002 he was actually Muhammad Ali's boxer or doctor as well and he said um until this starts hitting like the NFL nobody's going to pay any attention to concussion syndromes and shit wow he was like a psychic because he predicted that in 2002 because he said he was he was working with a lot of pro wrestlers as well because he was originally down I think Georgia wherever the WCW was and he did, he worked with, I forgot his name now because, you know, I don't remember that. I, Brian met him, Brian Denise, um, but he worked with a lot of those guys and he worked with Muhammad Ali and he ended up working with me doing the cognitive tests and, you know, looking at brain scans and everything. And he's like, yeah, man. Um, and then through interview, interviewing you, and looking at stuff, he determined that I had minimum of probably 20, 20 concussions. That's a he lot. Could, wow. He could do that from like the cognitive test, just kind of. Not, not, no, not, you, no, you'd have or, to ask him, but they're mm-hmm. based on the brain and incidents. 
like one time when I was in his police academy in Cleveland, I got hit full blast with a PR-24. Uh, somebody, I wasn't even involved in it. I was standing there. It let loose. Hit me. What's the PR-24? What is that? It's called a Prosecutor 24. It looks like a, it's a military uh, police. It's a tonfa. So it's oh, a, okay, okay. But yeah. it's made out of, you know. Like a nightstick kind of shot. I mean, I know it looks like a tonfa, but. But it's not wood. Okay. This is, you know, made out of, you know, titanium or whatever the hell it was made out of. I used to be certified. You used to have to get your certification to use those things. You know, cops used to carry those mm-hmm. in Ohio. I don't know if they do anymore. Probably not. They're actually, it takes a lot of skill. So, I mean, and I split my head open in a whole nine yards, you know, um, and then all the other hits and when I got, you know, hit with the baseball bats and then time I got hit with a, with a pipe, all this, and then just, just different stories. And then he also said that even wrestling, what happens is when you, you can get slammed on your ass and the shock will travel through your spinal cord and, and, and cause your brain to, you know, your medulla oblongata and, and screw you up. Um, so anyway, based on everything, you know, he, he came to the conclusion ballpark that I probably had around 20 concussions. And they ask you, did you ever go out? Did you ever like not know where you were after you got you, after you got hit mm-hmm. and like, you know, your bell, you get your bell rung, you know? Um, yeah. This, then that, yep. Yeah, boom, boom, bang, bing, you know? And then I had other people telling them, yeah, Tony, this happened to him, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, that's not good. Okay. There's nothing you can do about it. So, you know, it is what it is, but they had kind of prepared me for what to expect. And, and the last thing I remember him saying, this is that um, Ali's doctor was when it finally hits, it's going to hit like a, like a tidal wave, like a tsunami. It's just going to come. And this is the trigger, my mom, because the, one of the biggest things he said is you've got to stay out of stress. Um, stress will trigger these things. But once it starts to happen, it'll happen. And everybody is different. Like with Johnny Lira, the boxer, he it affected his voice. His brain, he could still think pretty clearly. Muhammad Ali, he lost his voice, right? With Jerry Cooney, or not Jerry Cooney, Jerry Quarry, he didn't know where he was. He still thought he was training for the title. He he still thought he'd have a shot at the title. He'd go out, walk, and get lost on the corner of the street. So mine's probably more like Cooney, or I keep saying Cooney, more more like Jerry Quarry kind of thing, because my memory is, you know, it's not so much my speech, at least not yet, and I hope it isn't, but it's my memory and my hands tremble and shit. Like when I can't eat soup or something like that. You saw that. You know how it gets, and it's it's hard. Um, so uh, everyone's different. You know, it, it affects people differently, but it also affects them in different ways. So, like, you, they use the term panic, but it's not like you're frightened. It's just that you can't think clearly. And, you know, you with me, everything has to go slow. So, like, I mean, I know what two plus two is four, but let's just pretend. I'll give you, like, an example. Like, if, if you ask me something, I, let's say, Tony, two plus two. I'll be like, okay, give me a second now, Joe. Um, okay, two plus two is four. So, you know, situations like that may take me a while to figure it out. 
um, which is very frustrating. Okay. And then that compounds your problem because you know, you can't, you know, you know, what's happening to you. So it becomes very frustrating. Um, and, and now two of me names, forget it. I can't remember names. And I know you say you can't, I get it, but mine isn't because of my age. It's because of this. Um, it, it's very difficult to not remember things, you know, you should remember, um, people that you knew for forever and you can't remember their names. You know, that's, that's hard. So, um, what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, I mean, what can I do? <clears throat> that's something definitely to keep in mind. And I no pun intended there, but you know, as people who are training in, in combat sports is keep track of those hard contacts you get, you know, <laughs> If you're getting too many of those, you need to slow it down because there is a, a long-term effect, you know, or maybe, you know, and, and so there is a, a cost to that, that you may not be um, aware of, you know, it's not, you don't get that for free, you know, and uh, yeah, it's something to be, yeah, coaching and, and being aware of who your training partners are too, you know, that they're going to take care of you uh, because yeah, that stuff just adds up and, um, but it is, and, and for, I, I'm sure it, like you said, everybody's different. And, you know, even though I've, I maybe had one or two concussions that I'm aware of uh, just from, you know, playing football with my friends or whatever, and things like that, that I can remember or training. I don't like, I just think the process of for you is like, it's the blurred with the, what is the process of aging? And then what is the process of these, you know, it, it's all going to be mixed up there. Cause some stuff is normal. Like you were talking about how, whenever you dream, you dream your back in Cleveland like when with a home or whatever it's just funny psychological things i don't know if i told you this but like whenever i dream of ben or any of my kids really but i remember it most with ben you know he's he's now in his 20s my son but when he's in my dreams you know he's a little boy you know he's seven or eight so whenever he's there i'm always you know it goes or when you're saying like the phantom limbs like the reality is you don't have an arm but when you when you're in this other state of mind your body your mind remembers back the way things were you know, or how, however they symbolize to you, you know, this is how you picture yourself or your family, you know, uh, I still have, and I think randomly, I've even like, I'll dream that I I'm waking up at a previous place I lived, you know, like I won't know where I'm waking up for there'll be a split moment whereas I'm reengaging, you know, waking up where I'll, I'll be like, Oh yeah, this is the house I'm living in now. It doesn't happen all the time, but occasionally a dream will just put me in a, in a space where I think I'm somewhere else. Um, It'll even like mind games. I remember when we moved furniture around, like sometimes you'd move the position of the bed and I'd literally think I was waking up where the bed was before, like the door would be to my right, you know, and I'd wake up and be momentarily confused because I think your body just has those patterns ingrained. Um, I do think maybe, I don't know, did the doctor say anything like your musical training? I've heard that a lot of musicians because they're, you know, they're ambidextrous and they're working, you know, they've got these fine motor skills, you know, and also you're working just a different part of your brain, you know, cause music is very mathematical and you're, you're, you're kind of learning things in the fry. Did, did he think that, did they talk about any of those things uh, being helpful for you or maybe giving more, you know, resilience? No, but you know, I, it really damaged me in 93 cause you know, I played the accordion with the right hand, you know? And uh, so I, when, when I started to get some movement back or got enough, enough to where I could start doing things, I could never get my technique, I mean, I could, I could, I, I never could get my technique back. Uh, I could never get the, the independence, you know, the different finger dexterity back. I, I, I got halfway decent again, 
And then um, when the shit started up in 2002 and 2003, that was it. And I've, I'm like, I'm not going to. I did try to give it one more shot. I'll take that back. I did try to give it one more shot. And I think I was still practicing pretty hard up until 2005 because I started doing this correspondence with a, a guy out of Ohio. He, he was trained by Spud Murphy, who was legendary Hollywood composer and um, an arranger and all of that. And I wanted to told you, I think before, I really wanted to become an arranger uh, more than anything. And uh, so I, 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 I started with the Spud Murphy course. I don't even know. I have most of my material, but I don't think I have that, that, um, but I, I fell apart. Uh, it, it just wasn't, I just couldn't dedicate the time to it. Um, I, I, I got involved in other things, you know, in life. And I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm going nowhere with this. The music business completely changed. So there would have been no financial reason for me to do it. Uh, and just things in life weren't, the timing wasn't there. You know, I'm like, nah, I'll never be able to play like I want to play or like I, first of all, I'll never be able to play like I used to play and I'll never be able to play like I want to play. Cause I wanted to play better than I used to play. And that just wasn't going to happen. Um, but yeah, there may be something to it. Uh, you know, keeping you, they, the one thing is that, you know, they, they said you're going to have a hard time learning new things. And he, they're right about that, you know, because when I have to learn something new, I got a woodshed, 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 woodshed. And then if I don't do it for like a week or so, then I forget it. Everything I just spent a month, you know, studying and doing. Now I haven't done it for a week or so. I, I, I lose complete everything. That's why I'm, I couldn't do the Pac-Man. I just can't remember the, the patterns. You know, I was going to ask about that. So you haven't been. I, I gave that. it up but I, because it was just too frustrating because I would get halfway through it. My mind would blank out, you know, and, you know, I, I can't retain 60 seconds, you know, which is a, not you know, approximately the time it would take to clear a screen, um, you know, approximately. And I just can't, I can't remember. I just, it was just getting, I just couldn't remember, you know, and so it wasn't fun. So I could just play a game that I'm not good at, you know, and have fun at it. But um, I, I haven't played anything, any of the videos that I built, you know, because of the fact that uh, I'm still upset about, you know, the Pac-Man. But I'll wait until everything is done with my mom. And, and again, if I have a few like six to nine months where I can just be me and take care of me and put myself as the number one priority, then maybe my 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 focus and my my stress level will come way down. Maybe my stress level might actually go way up because now you know if I'm not teaching or making income, then that's going to make it even worse. So I'm really apprehensive right now because I don't know what the future is going to hold. Um. So yeah, uh, that's that's where I'm at. Hmm. It's tough. I mean, you know, it, it's, you got to remember something too. Like I saw Glenn Campbell, who, you know, was one of my favorite guitarists who had Alzheimer's playing when he was in the Alzheimer's facility, but he was playing all the way through, even when he had his diagnosis and this and that. Got to remember, I haven't been playing music in 20 years. So, you know, for me to pick it up, even if I didn't have any memory loss or any issues, 
would be very difficult to get your technique back after all those years. You let your chops go, man. You know what I mean? You may not get those back on something like this. That's fine motor skills. And that's, I told you, my hands tremble and I don't have good, um, uh, you know, independence. Uh, I mean, I still do like, I try to do this stuff when I'm on a table, you know, trying to do my, my thirds, you know, just to try to keep my fingers going every now and then. And people think it's a nervous, nervous twitch. It's not. I'm actually doing Felipe, you know, Isidore Felipe finger lift, lifting exercises without, um, without the keyboard. But uh, no, I forgot my chords. You know, I forgot. I mean, I have the, I know what I hear in my head. I, I hear the, I hear it, but I can't remember. I just can't remember the chords anymore. I can't remember. It's just really, really difficult. I cannot remember. And um, it, it's frustrating more than anything. It's just so damn frustrating, which is what I need to avoid. I need to avoid frustration. Right. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, if you didn't, if you could find a way not to be frustrated with like either Pac-Man or the music, it seems like even the act of trying would be healthy for you. So like, if you're like, Hey, yeah, I'm never going to be what I was, but just picking it up for 10 minutes a day and, you know, working it for my brain's sake, you know, see, let's see how far I can take it. Maybe, you know, I'll get stuck on this screen for Pac-Man, but fuck it. That's as far as I'm going, you know, like, like your original goal is, okay, I'm going to get back to where I could do, I could, you know, go get to the ninth key or whatever. It's like, okay, yeah. for now, that's not the goal. Now it's just to see, just to, to, to stretch, to stretch those neurons or whatever, just to try and, you know, t- test the waters, just um, even fa- like making a failed attempt is still trying to push your, push your mind and your body, you know, your coordination that, that may, that may help things, you know, or just keep, uh, as long as, as long as you can get yourself not frustrated, because you don't want to get stressful and then, then, yeah, but just be like, okay, you know, I'm not going to be what I was, but I can still have, uh, I think there's a benefit for trying. Part of the problem is too, that I was taught on the accordion now, um, very difficult stuff. Well, I sent you a couple of tapes or not tapes, but, um, mp3s when when i for that month that i had the, that electronic drum set i was able to still jam some jazz with the drums um and i, I i'm sure that th- that would probably come back i would never be a buddy rich again but you're you never know, buddy rich <laughs> right no i mean what i'm saying is i know never was a buddy rich that's not what i meant you know what i meant i know but yeah. with the accordion it's much more difficult because what i was taught was very few people in the world played full chords Five note chords, five finger chords, not simple three chords, three note chords or four note chords. I didn't even know there were five finger chords. It's called five part blocks. And then I would also do open heart. Here Here we go. We're getting a demo for the YouTube crowd. I'm not going to demo because I haven't. But so, like a five note chord is, you know, it's just big, big. You're going to play in those chords or wide open chords like this. The 13th chord, C13, right? Or, you know, this is, these are heavy chords. D flat 13th. I love open it. Harmony, open harmony. Uh, so, you know, these are like wide spread chords. So they're not like simple, like, uh, like, like, what is it? Nobody, I don't play that. Kind That's of great. Of this stuff, you know. <laughs> but I can still do like like Lady of Spain. Let's see if I can. 
Yeah, I can still do those kind of orders. But you know, it's just a matter of practice. And it's hard when you're playing heavy duty jazz chords, you know. Jazz is tough. Believe me. You realize this is the first time I've ever seen you pick up the port accordion? <laughs> first time ever. First and last. <laughs> Hopefully not. No, but, I'd like to see more of that. No, the thing is though, we'll when get you a little monkey. Yeah, get the little that's no, that's an organ grinder now. Yeah. Um no, I need a little stripper. Yeah, that's what I need. You know, uh play the little strip tease tunes and shit. But the the whole point is though, I'm a perfectionist. Okay. That's that's a that's a that's a flaw. It's no longer like a quality thing, it's a flaw. Sure. Yeah, um, if it's stopping you from doing something, then it's a flaw. Like if you're like, hey, I love this thing, but if I can't do it right, fuck it. Right. To me, that's, that's how I am with everything. That's why I don't I don't um not recommend what's the indoors. Very few people I endorse in a martial arts world because I don't really think most of them that I've seen are any good. I mean, they're, they have, they're not dogs, but they, they lack so much, you know, that I can't say, yeah, go train with this guy. I can't, it's not that I'm an asshole. I'm just being very honest. If you don't want to, you know, you're better off not asking my opinion because, but then there, as you guys know, there are some guys that I used to rave about, you know, like, how are you going to knock a guy like Dan Gable? How are you going to knock a guy like, um, uh, you know, Floyd Mayweather, what he does, or Roy Jones when he was in top shape? You know, these guys, you know, mastered pretty much in general. I use that term in quotes because there's always room for improvement for everybody. But, you know, there are some terrific guys out there. But th- then I see these other ones that, you know, just, you know, they don't get it. Um, they're missing it. And, most, like I know my one music teacher, there was this hotshot kid, played real good accordion, fast, all that shit. But Jerry said, he doesn't have it. You know, he doesn't have it. He, didn't, he doesn't have the jazz, okay? Um, <clears throat> but because it, it, it takes an ear. And, and most good jazz musicians will tell you that, okay, you don't have it. Okay, you're missing it. You're like, that wasn't really so much jazz. I just played a couple of chords there, but uh, um, jazz is totally different. And, you know, you want to, you got to have the ear for it. Well, same with fighting. You could do all this fancy schmancy showboat stuff. Doesn't mean you're a good fighter. Same with pool. You know, you could sit there, do all these trick shots because you practice them over and over again. But can you win a game? Are you any good at the pool game? You know, the greatest pool players in the world are not trick shot artists. Now, I'm not bashing trick shot, guys. Mike Massey can play pretty damn good pool. There's a couple others. But for the most part, trick shots are a thing unto themselves, you know. And so I'm a hard critic. So if, if, if Mr. Martial Art guy is pissed at me because I bashed his skill, I bash myself. You know, I bash myself worse than I bash Mr. Martial Art guy, Okay. Um, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And I've said this for years. It's all about self-awareness and being able to analyze yourself, self-analysis. Most people can't do that because so many think they're so good. Oh, I'm so good. I've been told I'm this. Well, you've been lied to. Okay. You're not that good. Okay. And, and I've been around the world's best at a lot of things. So I've been humbled many, many times. I know what greatness is. All right. And, and, and you know, and, and more than just, I've been around some of the greatest shots, pool shots, gunshots, fights, music. 
I've been around guys who are the absolute top five in the world, you know. So I, I know in strength, I've been I've been around, you know, super strong men. Um, I I know what it's all about, and I know where I'm at in the pecking order, and I know where these guys are at too. That that you know that maybe a musician that put up a clip on YouTube or a martial art guy that's trying to show off his latest, his latest move. Um, no. So I'm, yeah, don't, don't come to me for an opinion because probably you're not going to probably like it. Mm. Well, and the reality is, I mean, there's very few people who are in that like, that's a fraction of a percent of people who are going to be at that, you know, that gifted level who have it, you know, most of, most people pursue things they love and they're never going to be great at it. You know, and uh, and that's okay too. I mean, as long as you keep working and improving, you know, um, I think. I mean, I know it's a different, you know, um, because yeah, I think you could probably most people give up on all their dreams, you know, or, or whatever interests them, because they're not going to. Like I said, very few of us are going to whatever we love, even if we love it and we pursue it, we're not going to be world class at it. You know. Well, there's a lot of circle jerks in the world, okay, the, in all organizations where you get a bunch of people there, and it's basically a mutual admiration society. That's not how you get better. That's not how the world operates. Um, years ago, I learned people used to send me video clips or something, you know, in the mail and uh, watch me. And I quit doing that because if you critique them, they hate you. Then they'll go on the Internet and they'll start trashing the shit out of you because they're losers. Because they come to you for advice. You tell them, well, you're doing this wrong. You can improve it here. And then they go on the warpath. Or you say something nice and all of a sudden, oh, Tony endorsed me. Tony thinks I'm the best. Tony thinks, no, I didn't say that either. I just said, oh, you, that double leg was nice or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. nice headlock. <laughs> so I made a, I made a, um, uh, you know, like a, a rule, whatever. See, this is my problem. See, I can't remember simple words. I, I made a, a, a vow. I'm not going to do that. Now, if you're enrolled in my program, you know, if you're with the Tri-C program or you're training with me in other ways, yeah, I, now I'm going to give you my opinion, right? Because, you know, we have a relationship now. We have a, you're paying, we have a relationship. But just to email me and, you know, and, and want, um, you know, w- want this, I'm not going to do it. You know, I, I'm just not going to. Uh, because it, it, it's just never, it's, it, it's, it's a no-win situation for me because everybody is – there's so many people out there that are haters, for example, that just want to go out and smear you and bash you and shit. Every person who's ever sent me a video that I commented on, uh, let's say negatively, like, you know, you need improvement, I've never mentioned them their names. I've never gone on Internet forums and said, oh, Joe Blow sent me this video clip. What a joke he is. I don't go to these forums. I haven't been on an Internet forum almost 20 years, Okay. Um, I don't deal with these people. So if you come to me for advice and training, you'll get the truth. You'll get the, you'll, you'll, you'll get my opinion and I'll prove it. I'll back it up. You know, I won't just say it. I'll, but you know how it is. I try to explain everything in depth. Um, whereas others learn by osmosis, they learn by rote. They do because this is how it was shown to me. I try to break it down all the way. Um, and that's how, you know, that's how I learned. That's how I pretty much learned everything in my life. Like, 
I, I had a really good scientific background. Okay. Well, I, I science, no, I'm not a rocket scientist, but what I get at what I'm, what I'm meaning is I took electronics up, you know, I, I was always into electronics as a kid. I took it up in school. Uh, that's science. You know, you had to learn everything all the way down. And we were able to diagnose down to the board level back then. Forgot all that shit, but I, I was taught, this is the reason why, you know, when we, when we put together a television set, we knew why, you know, the anocathode gate in those tubes. We understood why all this was happening. Ohm's law, Thevenin's theorem. Same with music. It's all, it was all um, mathematical based. <clears throat> and even when I learned how to fight, you know, Rodman would tell me, okay, this is going to break this, this, this. You know, sometimes he messed up with the English. You know, he got the wrong anatomical uh, deal. But, you know, it, it's like, you got to learn all this. You got to learn the anatomy. And I took it upon myself to study on my own. Uh, you know, and, and learn. I got a copy of Gray's Anatomy from the library, and I used to read and study and, you know, all of that shit. Um, so it wasn't just a question of, all right, I'm doing it because this is the way it was shown to me. No. It's approaching it like an engineer, you know. Someone well, has- you have to be because every building is going to be different, right? Uh, every car manufactured is slightly different, different makes and models. They are not all Model T Fords anymore. So you have to understand how to adjust these techniques and how to apply them differently or how to augment them and make them even better. I would hope that I was a better submission guy than Rod Vaughn because I took his shit and then tweaked it my own way or in a, in a, in a way that, you know, through trial and error, you discover, or maybe somebody else may have shown me their approach. Like when I used to talk to Lou Thez about different, Lou never showed me submissions. I, I knew them all, but we would talk about, setups and approaches and strategies and techniques and things along those lines right um that's an important factor in learning how to fight just like music it's a it's an it's an important factor like you can take a song like happy birthday and you know play it straight or put your own twist to it you know you can play it in many different ways you can play it like a classical musician would and, the, and there's many different types of classical musicians. You can play it like Brahms would, like Chopin would, like Tchaikovsky would, like Beethoven would. Or then you can play it like a jazz guy would, a ragtime pianist, a stride pianist, a bebop pianist, or a modern jazz player. So this is all, you know, putting different twists and different takes to it. But all those musicians are playing the right notes. They're playing the correct um, progressions and so on. They're not chunking it up so you have to have that uh when you fight you have to have the proper technique it's got to be foolproof it's got to be the highest flawless and then you have to start learning about uh ideas strategies you know and fighting outside of the box and not everybody does that you're not going to do it by mimicking maybe somebody else you take their ideas and build upon it for yourself. That's, that's how I've always approached things. I can watch you. If you were at my house now sparring with somebody, I could watch you do it. And I could tell you, this is how I would have approached it, my way. Now, take the way I just said to approach it and figure out your way. Figure out a different way than you just did. Don't use mine. Don't use what you just did. Use another one based on these principles that I just showed you. That's the key to getting good. 
Well, that's the next level. And that's the, you know, as people progress in whatever you're doing, I think the analogy you use all the time too, or I've heard, you know, you learn the holds in isolation. It's like learning your alphabet or learning your individual words. You know, that's fine. Once you've memorized these words and you know how to spell words properly, but okay, now you got to make a sentence or now, like you said, you're going to have a conversation. Now you got to think bigger, not just like, what are the proper words, but you know, what is the strategy of this conversation? What am I trying to do with this conversation? How do I persuade this person? You know, it's, it's, it's this, this upper level. So things progress as you learn language, whatever it is. So at first you're just learning the building blocks. Yeah. Then you have to learn how to put those blocks together in different ways, uh, depending what your goal is. So um, yeah, it's fascinating stuff. And it's stuff to think, you know, think about. I think probably when people are new to any like fight system or whatever, yeah, you're going to spend a lot of time just learning the moves in isolation, you know? <laughs> And then you're going to start to think, okay, well, how can I, if the other person knows that exact same move, how do I spring it out him where he's not expecting it? You know, how do I set that up? Uh, or if he's rolled with me before, you know, how do I mix it up? I think about that all the time where you talk about, you know, uh, being unpredictable uh, and you know, approaching the same thing differently every time. So, well, that's just it. You know, a lot of people are demonstrators. Okay. But come and get them, come and get, put that move on me, you know, or not just me, but put the move on, <clears throat> you can't, you know, they can't do it. Um, and, you know, that's, you know, that's a whole nother, uh, you know, that's a whole nother element. Um, and yeah, you do have to learn it in isolation. Like when I train so many guys, like the Canadians, okay, we're working on the, the punches. Okay. They're getting the punches down. Now work on it with that head movement in those angles. Okay. Uh, that, that's the, that, that shit is so lacking, you, you know, outside of boxing, it, it, it's, 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 it's frustrating to me because just a little, just this, just, just a little motion makes such a difference. Okay. Now for those of you who are watching me on YouTube, okay. You have a video here. Look at my head. Okay. Look where it's at. It's pretty much looks to me like it's squared in the, in the thing, but then just this, just this little much, you know, changes it now you know you, you don't have as as big of a you know the target's not there now if i come in look at that i mean all of this stuff now i'm hard to hit but if i keep going like this back and forth i mean no so you got to go left right up down you know all these things you got to learn how to punch off of that and uh you know start to make your own make your own uh rhythm you know make your own patterns. You know, you don't want to have a, a pattern that's repeatable because then your, your shrewd opponent's going to catch up on you and he's going to figure it out. So I just give him the idea here, this is how you move. This is all you need to do just a little bit, let's say, and then start incorporating that. Like when I train Martin Bukowski, he's constantly head movement. Sometimes he'll get, you know, he'll be punching so much and he won't be moving. I'll yell at him over the, over the computer. Move that head. Move your head, you know, move it around. Uh, you got to keep going, you know, and it's the same with the, gra with the wrestling on the ground, the grappling, or even on the feet. But movement, angles, all of that science of balance and power and pressure and shit, you know, um, there's a lot more to it than that, that's ever been revealed, you know, and, and, that's, and that's, that's a shame. You know, um, 
If you watch really, like, let's say you're into grappling. If you watch amateur wrestling, you'll you'll see you'll see some explosiveness. You'll see some great movement. You know, um, and you know it's different than you know any jacketed wrestling like judo or uh, jujitsu or you know sambo or something where you got the jacket because now you're you're holding at a distance. Uh, whereas you know in wrestling you, you have your own handles. You make your own handles. Boxing you don't really have handles unless you're tying up. So you got to use other other things. You got to use your more of your more of your body, I guess, as opposed to worrying about grabbing material. Grabbing, you know, it's different. It's a different approach. So, but yeah, I don't know how we got off on that subject, but we we did once again. <laughs> well, it's been a good yeah, good conversation. We're getting close to the lunch hour, so probably. All right, kiddo. Well then i thank everybody for listening and uh you know hopefully my my computer died yesterday so i had to redo everything my laptop so hopefully it's all back in in order uh won't know yet um but yeah i want to thank everybody again for always watching and listening and um but yeah it's uh it's all good thanks everybody for being here and joe i appreciate you being here and we're going to have a special guest next week. Yeah, we'll have another guest, uh, a longtime friend of mine. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to having a conversation with him and the guy. So I think that'll be a fun episode for everybody to tune into. All right. Well, I don't even want to know who he is. Spring it on me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I will. Mr. All right, everybody. Guest. Thanks for watching. All right. Bye. <laughs>